Welcome to True Love. True Love. Nice fairy tale sound. Uh, we are going through a series on 1 John, and uh, that's where we're going to be for the next five weeks. And it's going to be uh, kind of like a Bible study. We're going to look at what 1 John says, and, and we'll talk a little bit more as we go into this about that theme of true love. But, but true love is one of those utopian ideas um, that we hear about in fairy tales and we all long for, we all long to find our true love. And uh, as you heard in some of the lyrics within uh, our little intro video, there are various expressions of love that have been shared throughout the years and some are full of hope, our love is here to stay. Uh, some just don't really have a lot of grammatical content to them. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of them um, are filled with the imagery of, of fairy tales and of stories gone by. Uh, it's a love story. Baby, just say yes. And then some people are screaming out, you give love a bad name. And some people are saying, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. And all of these are expressions of love, um, lyrical expressions of love. And uh, it raises the question um, that uh, our boy Hadaway from Night at the Roxbury, he was actually before Night at the Roxbury, uh, but that question of what is love? What does love truly look like? And one of the things I think of when I think of love is a longing for acceptance, a longing for someone to affirm us and say that we belong. And I remember uh, when I was growing up, I, I, had, I came from a great family. I felt very loved by my family. And then I hit middle school, and uh, I no longer cared as much about the fact that my family loved me. I kind of went a little bit of a different direction. And I don't know about you, but um, when I started middle school, I kind of had some optimism about it. I thought everything was going to be smooth. I thought everything was going to be great. And I thought that everybody was going to like me because I had watched Saved by the Bell and Zach Morris, my boy there on the left with the phone that's like the size of his head. And uh, I had watched Saved by the Bell and I had watched Zach Morris being tall and blonde and good-looking and getting all the girls. And I thought to myself, that'll be me in a couple of years. I'll be tall, blonde, good-looking, and get all the girls. And most of those things didn't happen. All those things didn't happen. And so I, life did not pan out like I thought it was going to. Instead, I found myself searching for acceptance, trying to find someone to love me, someone to accept me, a place to belong. And what I realized was that it was kind of this waste of time that I was going through. And every single thing I tried to go after was kind of like a dead end. And it wasn't until I discovered what we're going to talk about today that I found what true love really was. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 John. We're actually going to start right in the heart of the letter at the beginning of chapter 3, and then we're going to jump ahead to part of chapter 4 uh, because we want to start kind of with what's the center of gravity of the overall letter as we begin our study this morning. 
First John 3, starting in verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. And then jumping to chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the truth that's within it. And we thank you for the love that is expressed within this pa- these passages that we've looked at this morning. We ask at this time that your Holy Spirit would open up our hearts to receive your word, to be led by you and guided by your spirit to understand what true love is all about. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Now, First John may not be one of the most familiar books that you think of when you think about Scripture. Uh, even if you've been a part of Bible studies for years, chances are you may have overlooked 1 John. It's not one of those that we immediately run to, uh, but there's a lot of really good truth within it. And it's interesting, kind of the key context part of 1 John is that 1 John was written to a group of believers that were trying to figure out their place to belong. It was written to a group of believers that, was, that were trying to figure out what it meant to be part of this Christian movement, what distinguished them from the world. And so the writer of 1 John, we, th- we think it might have been John the disciple. Uh, there's a good chance of that, or at least someone who was part of his church, uh, one of his disciples that, that followed after him. The writer of 1 John writes to them, and, and he is trying to express to them that this is what distinguishes you. The thing that distinguishes you is that true love. It's that love that comes from God. And that is what distinguishes Christians from the world, is that experience of God's love. And so the question we have to ask this morning as we look at these first few passages in 1 John is what does true love look like? More specifically, what does God's love look like? And if you're taking notes this morning, there's, there's kind of three things that as I read these two passages together that I kind of pulled out and felt like God was saying to us this morning is what his love is all about. The first we find right in that first verse uh, where it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. It is lavish. God's love is lavish. And and that's a a really kind of odd word uh, to think about. Um, John Horton, who's our other associate pastor, he loves to talk about uh, the way he understands lavish is when he sits down with a bowl of ice cream, he loves to lavish it with chocolate syrup. And if you know anything about John Horton's affection for the great gift from on high called chocolate, uh, he truly, it is like this pool of chocolate that forms this moat 
around the castle of ice cream. And it, that is what he thinks of when he hears that word lavish. I remember back to the first time I ever preached or, or spoke. I, I didn't call it preaching then. I, I wasn't. I was kind of self-conscious back then. Uh, I didn't call it preaching. I was speaking at a church down in South Georgia, and it was the first time I can remember ever preaching, speaking on God's love. And what I did, I was part of this team called the UGA Crossfire Team, and uh, we were from the Wesley Foundation at Georgia. And what we would do is we would go, we were kind of like a, a package circus all-star team where we would go into church youth groups and we would do their youth camp, their youth week, retreats, things of that nature. We even did some uh, older adult ministry uh, at one church. It was kind of interesting. But we would go in and we would basically lead the youth in in a spiritual formation week. And uh, each church was a little bit different, and so there would be different needs for which one of us needed to speak, and I was primarily the music guy. But there was one church where we were at where we were going to be there for several days, and so it was my turn to speak. And we found on the church campus, we were actually meeting at their church instead of a campground, we found this old little chapel. It was this cute little thing uh, that apparently they used for small weddings and Sunday school class meets in there. And I said, this would be the perfect venue to talk about God's love uh, because it had nice, you know, clear windows. Um, It was going to have nice sunlight during the summer as we got going, and then it would perfectly dim down the longer we went into it. And so I went to the youth pastor, and I said, can you get me some candles? He said, okay. And so he got these little tea candles that he spread all around the church. It was awesome. I mean, it looked like we were about to propose to somebody in the youth group. I mean, it was just weird. I mean, it just looked awesome. And we had candles everywhere. And then we took rose petals and we spread them all around. And, and all these high schoolers and middle schoolers walk in. And, and the middle schoolers, maybe not so much. This is really directed more towards the high schoolers. We're sitting there and it instantly clicked. This is going to be about love. This is going to be about love. And it was like one of those kind of misdirection things where you think you're talking about romantic love and then all of a sudden, let me tell you about a greater love. And it was this beautiful message. Uh, Several of the youth told me it was one of the most impactful nights of their entire lives. Not because of the message, but because of what happened afterwards. What happened afterwards was we went to blow out the candles and we realized that when the air conditioning came on, in the middle of the service, that the candle wax in those little tea candles had spread all over the carpet, recently donated carpet, to this little chapel. And it was a scene to behold, and the idea was, this is the kind of love that God lavishes upon us. He would go to this length and even more lengths of that. In fact, he even sent his son to die on the cross. It was this beautiful image. And then a few weeks later, the Wesley Foundation received a letter from said church asking that a particular Anthony MacPhail never come back to their church ever again. Uh, I, this is the only town that I'm aware of that I have been banished from 
uh, in my life. And because this particular church is part of the South Georgia Conference, it's my dream to be appointed there. It really is. I just think that would be absolutely hilarious uh, and fun. But I, I always remember that night, and I still have that image marked in my head of just this the most romantic-looking scene you could possibly imagine. And I think about that, and I think about all the great lengths that people on this earth go to express their love towards someone that they find particularly attractive or they, they want to get to know better or they want to spend the rest of their lives with. And I think back to that night, and I think back to that image before the horror that happened after that image, but I think back to that image and think, the highest possible capacity I can have for thinking of earthly love, God's love, is so much more than that. It is lavished upon us. It is poured all over us in this way that we can't comprehend in our own earthly ideas and mindset. The second thing, as we talked about at the beginning, God's love shows us that we belong. One of the things that I realized when I became a Christian was that it was no longer about what I could do to fit in. It was that God loved me anyways. And it was the first time in my life that I truly experienced what it meant to belong in a community. Not just, I mean, I knew what it meant to belong in a family, but to know what it meant to belong in a community. And, and I saw that as I, I got more involved in the church, and hopefully uh, people experience that here, that sense of belonging, that sense of with God's love, we all feel like we're a part of something. In 1 John, it's said this way, that we should be called children of God. In verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. True love, God's love, is about that sense of knowing that we belong to him, knowing that we are God's children. It shows that we belong. And then the third thing, which we find in chapter 4, is that God's love is unconditional. Now, it doesn't explicitly say that, in the version that you read. But if you were to go back and look at it in the Greek, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a great book about this called The Four Loves. In Greek, there are actually four different words for love, what we in the English language call love. And in the Greek, these four different words, one of them uh, is just kind of a, a basic love. One, uh, phileo, is, is kind of... Philadelphia, you might hear that in there, is kind of that brotherly love, that sense of, of camaraderie, of fellowship with one another. Uh, then there's eros, which is the, the romantic kind of love. And then there's agape. There's agape love, which literally means unconditional love. It means love that doesn't require anything from the person that it's given to. It is freely given it is unconditional, and there is nothing that can withhold it. And when we read in John chapter, or 1 John chapter 4, love comes from God. 
when we see this is love in verse 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's the word. It's an unconditional thing. I didn't realize how big of a distinction this was uh, until I was watching a guy um, by the name of Judah Smith. He's a pastor out in Seattle, and he was speaking at another church, and he was talking about Mary and Martha. Uh, You might remember the story of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Lazarus uh, died, and Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus before he died saying, the one you love, the one you love uh, is not well. He's going to die. You need to come quickly. And you read that, and it says the word there, the one you love, the one you love is actually phileo. And so they said to Jesus, the one you phileo is not well. He's not going to make it. You need to come soon. And then a couple of verses later, the gospel writer John says, Jesus loved Mary and Martha, and Jesus loved Lazarus. But the word there is not phileo. It is agape. God does not just phileo us. God agapes us. God does not just have this camaraderie love with us. God has true love, unconditional love, that passes through what we can accomplish on our own so that we can experience it. The message of the gospel is not we came to God and demonstrated our goodness, therefore God showed his phileo love for us. The message of the gospel is God so loved. The message of the gospel is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The message of the gospel is this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son for us. God does not phileo us, God agapes us. And there's nothing we can do about it. It's all about what God does. John 3.16 is one of the most famous Bible verses. Uh, it's, you know, now probably more associated with Tim Tebow than the Bible, which is unfortunate. Uh, but it is this beautiful verse that that packages together real tightly and neatly that message. And what it says, if you go back and read it, is for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. For God so agaped the world that he gave his son. That whoever, and by whoever, it's it's not parsing out uh, those who are good, those who deserve it, those who phileo God enough. It's saying, whoever, whoever believes in him 
should not perish but have eternal life. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of true love. As we, we scan the universe thinking, will I find the one? Will I find my true love? This is what true love is. It's not just something we, we think about when we read fairy tales. It's not just something we think about when we think about our, our, our spouses and we think about our children and we, we think about our, our family members and our friends. But that, that is a certain kind of love. But God's love is different. God's love is unconditional. And in the midst of everything that we do in life, God's love cuts through still. It is lavished upon us. It shows that we belong. And it is unconditional and not based on anything that we can do to earn it. This is the beauty of God's love for us. And for, for some of us, and for me, when I was trying to be Zach Morris, for, for some of us, there's this sense of I've got to do something to fit in. I've got to do something to receive affirmation from other people. I've got to do something so that others will think highly enough of me. I've got to do something so that I can get this girl's number. I've got to do something so that he will go out with me. And, and we go through, and it's all about what can we do to make others love us when the message of the gospel is the truth that while we were yet sinners, while we did nothing to instigate it, God so loved. God so loved. And I, I feel like there are some this morning that need to hear that message for the first time. They need to hear that message that I may be searching to find love somewhere else, but true love is from God. And there might be some that, that know that message, that know that truth, but you've been running from it and you've been trying to fill your lives with other things. And as we try to fill our lives with other things, our love receptacles, uh, is a funny term I heard the other day, our love receptacles get damaged. We start to become calloused and numb to true love. But God calls us to experience that love. And, and earlier this morning, we, we sang that song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And, and there's a part that we play. There's a part, there's a decision that we make to take that step of following after God. But before that decision, God so loved. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And this morning as the band comes back up and we go back into a, a time of singing, I want to invite you to come to the altar this morning, uh, perhaps to make that decision to follow Jesus, to come and say, Lord, I've been looking for love in so many places and I realize that true love only comes from you and I want to surrender my life to that. And for some of you, it might be coming and saying this morning, I've been trying to, to earn my way through instead of just receiving the love that comes from you, God. So I invite you, as the band plays, as we sing together, uh, to stand if you would like.
to sing along, um, but to use this altar as a place to come and experience the love of God.